Welcome to the Future Lab, the podcast where we talk with and about the people, companies, and ideas building the future. From startup founders building the next unicorn to someone leading innovation at a Fortune 500 company, experts in emerging technologies, or people creating the cities of tomorrow. I'm your host, Chris Berry, and in each episode, we talk with innovators and creators to learn what they're working on and how they're doing it. The one thing they all have in common are building the future. Thanks for listening to the Future Lab. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of the Future Lab, Ohio's technology podcast. Today we are joined by Craig Borkowski, who is the CEO of TerraSound Technology, a service-disabled veteran-owned small business headquartered in Columbus. TerraSound was founded on a passion for creating thoughtful solutions for their customers delivered through their software and fiber optic cable. TerraSound's mission is to solve your security, smart city, and pipeline problems. Craig graduated with a BS in chemical engineering from Purdue University and an MBA from Pepperdine University. Over the past 25 years, he has worked extensively in the electronic materials field in a variety of positions. Craig started out in the operations uh, in, in operations and has held roles in engineering, technical service, R&D, marketing, business development, and as general manager at a variety of global multinationals. Before TerraSound, his most recent role was as chief strategy officer of Momentive, a $3 billion silicone manufacturer with approximately 5,000 employees. Craig, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Chris. Well, l- looking forward to our conversation, but uh, I think to, um, to 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 kick things off, uh, how how nice was it to get an MBA at Pepperdine? Because that's in Malibu, right? <laughs> that is in Malibu. Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, it was hard to study, to be honest with you. Um, they've got the the campus that's on the cliffs overlooking the water, and uh, yeah, it's uh, you definitely have to be focused on what you want to uh, to to get uh, a degree from there. Yeah, and uh, you had done your as I as I read off your uh, your undergrad at Purdue, which very great school, uh, but it's here in the Midwest like we are. Um, but that's a long way from uh, from Purdue and West Lafayette out to Malibu. Yeah, it it is, and uh, very different environments. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for being on. Um, and and something we've been starting with a lot of our guests is just asking. How it's been during COVID because so many bit or every business is dealing with it, uh, whether it's work from home or just either disruptions or opportunities for their business. Um, but not only are you the CEO of this company, but you also just are newer to the role, or at least coming into the the day to day operations within these past few months. So you've not only been dealing with this, but it's something you've jumped into in the middle of COVID and this new crazy world we're living in. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I think um, you know COVID has certainly posed a, a, a number of challenges for I'd say any business, but particularly for startups and and smaller types of businesses. Um, I think the the biggest thing for us, other other than you know, first keeping the employees safe, making sure that um, everybody's going to have a safe place to work. I think it then turns to what does this mean for us as a company? And there's been you know a lot of a lot of challenges and, and a lot of opportunities. I think for us, the the challenging side, um, you know, obviously working from home is is. Um, can sometimes be a challenge, but but I think that's been going over okay. There's a lot of technology out there now now to help that. But 
it's it's more been making sure that we're managing cash flow. Um, you know, a lot of projects are, are getting delayed or, or slowed down. Things that you thought were coming are, you know, being pushed out a bit. So how can you kind of juggle all those things? Um, our, our policy is, is to not furlough or, or lay anybody off. We want to make sure everybody's taken care of. So how can we do that and, and still uh, maintain this as, as a viable business? So I think it's been fun jumping into that, but, but certainly a lot of, uh, a lot of challenges. Yeah. And, and you had, uh, as again, as I read in your, in your bio, as folks w- would have heard that before that you were the chief strategy officer at a, at a fairly large company with 5,000 employees. And now you're on a smaller team, small business, um, yeah. which very different organizations are, are just sizes. Uh, so how has that been? Oh, it's been, uh, it's been really great. I think, um, you know, I've, I've worked for that, uh, kind of large, uh, multinational type of, uh, of a corporation for 25 plus years. And I think sometimes you just need a refresh or, or a reset. I think there's great things about it. It's super stable. You don't have to worry about a lot of things, but uh, it can also be slow. Um, you know, d- difficult to get things done, difficult to implement things. Um, it's, it's kind of a large battleship sometimes that you got to turn uh, and, you know, a startup kind of re-energizes you, I think. It gets you into the day-to-day stuff again. It gets you able to, to see things through quickly and, and, and move at a much faster speed, which is, you know, it's just great for, for a refresh, to be honest with you. Yeah. And, and before we get uh, a little deeper into what you're working on at TerraSound Technology, maybe if you could, and, and we read off that, you know, the mission is to solve security, smart city, and pipeline problems. Um, but if you could go a little bit deeper into what you all do um, and what led to this idea and to the creation of this company. Sure, sure. Um, so what we do specifically is is we're a fiber optic sensing company. Uh, so we're taking uh, either existing fiber optic cable uh, or we're burying new fiber optic cable uh, and we're firing a laser down that. Um, what that does then is any energy that's put into the ground, uh, is basically causing micro fractures in, uh, in the fiber optic cable, uh, through diffraction of the laser, we're able to judge, uh, where those are and about the size of the energy. Uh, so we're picking up, uh, not only the amount of energy being put into the ground, uh, but also we can see patterns and and stuff like that. And that allows us to classify, uh, what, what things might be. And you'd be surprised at how much energy just walking. Uh, we can, generally speaking, uh, detect about 100 feet off the cable, somebody just walking normally, um, which is, uh, you know, surprised me at, at how accurate that, uh, that was. So that kind of goes into perimeter security. Uh, we can see people approaching. We can see cars. We can see gunshots. We can see um, just normal equipment running day to day. Uh, kind of operations. So if something happens to that equipment, we can, you know, send out an alert. Um, and that leads us to a variety of different uh, market spaces, such as perimeter security, uh, oil and pipeline. We can detect gas leaks, um, as well as smart cities where we can detect t- traffic flow, accidents, potholes, stuff like that. So very versatile technology. And and uh, the idea was it born out of another company that you were part of or working on or or how did it how did uh, how how did Terror Sound get to where you all are at today? Ah, oh, yeah, great uh, great question. I think 
it's it's a it's an interesting story. My brother was in the military for for quite some time, um, and towards the end of his uh, his tours, he ended up in in the national research laboratories. Um, they kind of developed this technology, came up with it. He was deployed in Afghanistan uh, to to put these along uh, different roadways and, and places where soldiers would travel travel frequently. Uh, and the idea there was uh, if somebody's it's it's counter, counter IED. Uh, so if somebody's coming to to place an ID, uh, you can see where they were coming from. You could see where they put it, uh, how long it took them to do that, and most importantly, where they went to afterwards. Um, and I think uh, that helped them to uh, mitigate a lot of the IED problems. Um, my brother kind of took that idea and said, "Wow, there's a lot of commercial applications for that." Uh, when he exited the army, uh, he ended up uh, uh, working with people on this technology, licensing it. Uh, and then coming up with this company to, to deploy it commercially. And, uh, you know, he found a space where there's nobody in the U.S. who was doing it at the time um, and uh, a need for it in, in security uh, and pipeline types of uh, applications. So that's kind of where it was founded. I, I helped invest in it up front. And, you know, five or six years later, here here we are. Yeah, that that's that's so interesting. And um, at least in, in maybe it's just who I talk with or, or b- being in Ohio, but to hear the um, defense department and national security kind of inspiration, as you mentioned, uh, those defense applications first, which um, I think that's one of some, in some ways, one of the untold uh, stories or not as well known stories in Ohio is just, and, and, and there may not have been with, with terror sound technology, the, that kind of Ohio connection to start other than it's, based in Columbus now, but with things like Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and groups like NASA Glenn, and um, there, there's just so much research in R&D that, that is happening in places like that. And so it's it's always so f- interesting for me to talk with folks that are doing it because there's just a ton of potential and, and they are such huge marketplaces. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, my brother and I are both born and raised in, in Ohio, and uh, this was where he came back to. He went to school at Ohio State and you know, there's a lot of resources uh, just in Columbus, a lot of people coming out of Ohio State that we can tap, uh, a lot of research and development there. And, and as you mentioned, right, Pat is pretty much right down the road. So um, we do we do work with them as well. And so for, for TerraSound, um, what do the next two, three, four, five years look like for you all? And, and I guess how, how big are you? How big is the team today? Uh, and then what does that that vision into the future look like? Yeah, so we're relatively small right now. We're a, a 12-person company, um, but uh, our goal is certainly to, to grow this exponentially over the next couple of years. Um, you know, our, our revenue size is, is only a couple million at the, at the moment, but our goal is to get that uh, up above 20, 25 million type of, uh, of a company. Uh, and, and I believe we can do that in the next three, three to five years. Um, it's just a, a strong focus on, you know, what are the markets that we want to serve? Because there's so many applications that this can go on. We've got to make sure that we kind of keep focused on the core uh, markets that we're going towards uh, and then make sure that we're putting out the, the best product out there as, as well as uh, we believe strongly in customer support. So making sure that uh, we're taking care of the customer. I think once you're doing that, I think the business kind of starts coming, uh, coming a lot more naturally and on its own. Yeah, and um, as we're we'll start to pivot a little bit into some of the the quick hitter questions that we'll ask all of our guests on on this podcast. Um, but this is uh, I'd love to hear 
um, maybe from the business perspective or something else that you're working on or ha- uh, have passion behind. But the, the first question is, what's a challenge that you're working to solve? <laughs> wow. Uh, there's there's a lot of challenges, I think, uh, you know, now. But I think in terms of our, our product, it's it's kind of easy to easy to classify the, the biggest one that we're constantly working to perfect. And that's really we've got three main markets, perimeter security, pipeline and smart city. But there's a lot of overlap for us between the perimeter security and pipeline as both areas. You're looking for third party intrusions, heavy equipment uh, and other types of threats. For those applications, it's important not only to detect what's going on, but also to make sure you aren't detecting things that aren't a threat. So how can you kind of differentiate between those two things? Um, and the biggest challenge for us is, is how to reduce false positives. And like most things in life, it's a trade-off that, that you've really got to smartly manage. If you make this system a little bit too sensitive, you're detecting everything and you can't distinguish what's a threat and what's not. If you block out too much, you're not getting those false positives, but it diminishes your ability to identify real issues. Um, so it's that balance between the two where, where really this company lives. It's how can we develop these smart classifiers that take into account patterns, energy levels, ambient noise, and then build flags to identify and, and be able to say, hey, this is heavy equipment or, hey, somebody's walking towards the fence, um, build kind of protocols on on when to alarm on those things. And I'll give you an example. In an urban area, it might not you might not want to alarm when a car is approaching. You might not want to alarm when somebody when it stops and somebody gets out of the car, but you might want to start triggering an alarm when all that happens and the person is approaching and 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 touches the fence. Um, so it's about how can we use machine learning, uh, which we've gathered a, a ton and mined a lot of of ground truth data that allows us to really lean on that machine learning to optimize how those alarms are triggered and kind of what circumstances allows us to improve the accuracy of those things. So it's kind of a, a ever evolving system. And that's really our, our biggest challenge. How do we weed out the stuff that's not important and, and focus on the stuff that is? Yeah, that, that's really interesting. And that was kind of a question that as I was listening to you, um, I was going to ask, and, and, and if smart cities or the pipeline or perimeter security for different places might have different, uh, might need different uh, kind of uh, sensitivities or sound that alarm at different points. Because as you mentioned, in, a, in an urban area, uh, there, there could be cars passing all the time. But then as I think about a pipeline, um, you know, if, if one car comes or that might be a, a, a good warning in of, a, in of, of itself. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's where really, you know, there's a lot of companies out there who who aren't from the U.S. who kind of send a box over and, you know, you're left to kind of deal with it. And, you know, that's kind of, again, where we live is we love to set up the box and, and make sure it's working. And we we tune it to the area where you're living at or, or where you want protected. So if it's kind of a, a, you know, a forest type of area, you know, you don't want it alarming on deers, but you do want it alarming on other things. And, you know, that's kind of what our software and, and what our, our engineers are able to do. Hmm. Well, great. Well, th- 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 that was very interesting, though. So thank you for sharing that one. But moving into our second question, um, what's a favorite read, listen, or watch? Uh, and this could be a book, podcast, or show. Maybe it's something you just uh, discovered or consumed, or maybe it's something that you revisit once a year. 
Yeah, for me, uh, I'll be honest, it depends on the situation. But, uh, you know, I'm going to pick reading because that's something that uh, I, I really enjoy to do. And I it kind of tends to unwind me a lot. But uh, when I read, I tend to prefer science fiction books. Um, I, I think I get a little bit too much reality in my day to day life. So, um, you know, for me, it's kind of a great way to escape it for a, for a little bit. And, you know, on the other side of that, I think it kind of pushes your thinking a little bit, you know, you get to, to go see a place where pretty much anything's possible. And I think when you get back into your day-to-day life, that can also kind of help push your, your thinking in the, in the day-to-day. Um, yeah, that, that, that's, that's, I think that's so true. Is there a, a specific author or series or anything like that, that, that you really enjoy? Um, there's a lot of, uh, authors. I, I like, uh, Brent Weeks is, is a great one. Uh, he, he writes a, a series, um, Terry, you know, if you, if you go back a little bit more, Terry Brooks, um, you know, is, is, is a great one. Um, Raymond Feast, uh, I like him as well. So yeah, there's a, there's quite a few really, really good, uh, authors out there. Yeah. Uh, and moving on to our third question, uh, what's a problem you'd solve or a business you'd start if funding wasn't an issue. So you had a billion dollars, uh, uh, access to the best experts and technologists in the world. And maybe it's, uh, maybe it's what you're doing now, or maybe it's something that you've been thinking of and, and it's kind of been in the back of your head for some time. Yeah. So I talked, I guess, a bit about uh, this technology and, and we're, we're kind of already going there. So I'm going to pick something totally off topic, um, <laughs> oh, you know, and, we, and, and it's honestly an, an old school thing, which is, uh, you know, I, I'm a lover of technology. I, I really do. But you know, I also feel like lately it's it's one of the things that that is is causing a lot of problems out there. I think people have developed all these great tools, right? Things that are connecting people and allowing for the free exchange of ideas and fast and instantaneous information. And I think there's a ton of great positives to it, but I also see it as the biggest problem right now. I think it's a tool and, and it's not always used in the best way. And, you know, I see all sorts of things from, you know, disinformation and, you know, social cliques that that form that, you know, there's an idea and they find somebody else with the same bad idea and they start reinforcing each other. And, you know, there's bullying, happying. And, you know, if you look at any events that happen out there, you know, it's instant judgment, right? Um, there's no more trials. It's, it's just, hey, this happened and this person's guilty because this is this is what people think. Um, before any facts are, are verified. And, you know, I think we as a society haven't really come to grips with the implications of, of some of the technologies that we've deployed. And it's kind of hurting us right now just as frequently as it helps us. So, you know, the thing that I've pinged off of, of people, and if I had unlimited resources, because I don't think it'd make money anymore, is just starting an independent newspaper that, you know, call it just the facts. Um, I feel like, most news sources are, are trying to sensationalize everything because let's face it, the, the print is gone. They've got to get people to click to, to get um, any type of a, of a revenue stream coming through. And, and, you know, as you get these more and more sensational um, types of, of uh, articles and sensational types of headlines, I think it takes away from the core facts. So, you know, just, just a newspaper or, or, you know, a news site that's able to report facts in neutral terms and let people decide whether it's good or bad. Um, that's, you know, that for me is, is the problem that I would solve right now that, that I see is kind of affecting the country as a whole. Yeah. And I think that's a, a very good answer. Um, and 
media is an area that I have a lot of interest in and have spent some time working in, not for newspapers, but kind of just communications in general. And um, it's, 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 it's such a difficult thing because some of this technology, the social media, it just, it happens so fast. And I think you're very right of a lot of it just, it comes out and we, we start using it. And then all of a sudden, um, there, there are real challenges and things around, especially the first amendment are very tricky issues. And so I, I agree. I think there's, um, a lot of interesting opportunity in the media space and it. And it's, it's, uh, I think in some way refreshing to see what some of, uh, some companies are out there doing with, with, uh, as you mentioned, kind of clicks and whatnot. So instead people are starting to build things around newsletters as opposed to subscriptions, uh, email newsletters, I should say. And so, uh, I think it's. I think you're right. I think there's an interesting space here that w- will be really. Uh, it, it'll just it'll, uh, in five years from now, I think that we'll see a lot of movement. So um, that that was yeah, very interesting. And thank you for sharing. And then uh, our our last kind of quick hitter question is, what's your favorite place in Ohio? Yeah, I think uh, you know that's a, a really interesting question, and and it's hard I think to narrow it down. Um, and you know, I'm just thinking of, of so many great areas, but if I, if I had to pick one, I, I really, I'm going to go back to, to the Cleveland area and, and pick whips ledges up in, uh, up in Hinkley. Um, I used to love, uh, that, love well, that, that's one that I, I've, I've never heard. So, so what is it? <laughs> okay. So whips ledges, uh, it's, it's basically, um, I don't know how you would describe it. It's a, it's a park. Um, but it goes very quickly from kind of farm and, and rolling hillsides, which, you know, a lot of Ohio is to this um, kind of, I, I don't want to call it a, a ravine, but almost a canyon with, with kind of these uh, cliffs on either side of you. And there's a lot of rock climbing that you can do up there. And, um, you know, it's just kind of a, a, an amazing and, and magical place where I used to love to go as a, as a kid and just, you know, walk around. Um, it's, it, it it's kind of out of place where, where it is. It's just kind of, you know, you look at it and wonder how, how the heck did this even form in this area? <laughs> where, and, and where in the Cleveland area is it? Oh, uh, it's in Hinkley. Okay. It, and, and as I mentioned, th- these are questions that we ask um, everyone. We do it both in our newsletter format and then also on these podcasts. And so it's really, it's really interesting to hear uh, what people are passionate about and, and favorite places because I would say it about half the time it's it's something like uh, a park or national park, a state park, um, or just one of the natural resources like like Lake Erie or others. And so I think that's one of another area that Ohio um, most people you, you don't really M- Michigan I'll say has has done a very good job with their PR campaign around their lakes. Um, and so it, it's always great to hear when people, there's different, uh, natural resources that, um, are out there that people can take advantage of. And, and that's one that I've, I've never heard of. So I'll have to, I'll have to, uh, put that on my to-do list coming up. Now, that's one of the things when I've lived away from Ohio, I've missed, uh, probably the most is, you know, I think there's a, a amazing, uh, park system here. The Metro parks is, you know, pretty much throughout the, the whole state and, uh, they're extremely well-maintained, and, and I probably could have picked 30 different places in there, but uh, you know, I definitely went with this one because it's uh, you know, someplace near and dear to my heart. Yeah, well, well that's great. Well, thank you, Craig. Um, well, we're, we're, we're wrapping up now, but before we do, um, anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to get out there or share with folks um, that, that maybe we didn't have an opportunity to touch on? 
Um, I think uh, nothing, nothing honestly comes, uh, comes to my head at the moment. Um, you know, I just think uh, Ohio's been a, a great place to, to kind of start and uh, move forward uh, new kind of technologies. And, you know, I think we were talking a little bit beforehand that uh, the area we're in now is a Columbus area and there's a lot of great, uh, great resources around here. So, um, you know, I, I see kind of a Ohio as a, as kind of a great funding place or, or great hotbed uh, where it's easy to, to, to do startups. So, um, you know, I think uh, I, this podcast is, is extremely interesting. I'm going to go back and, you know, it gives me something to listen to now uh, when I'm on some drives because I'd, I'd love to be hearing about uh, a lot of the other startups that are that are happening around here because I'm sure there's a lot of them. Yeah, there's there's a ton. And it's it's been really interesting to hear about what you're doing with, with TerraSound because, again, for some of those defense applications and the R&D behind it, um, because I think that's an area that there's probably a lot more companies out there than, than folks realize. And so thank you for sharing that. And um, you're absolutely right between startups and, and all the way up to big co where there's some great innovation happening at our companies and at places like universities and hospital systems and middle market businesses and startups. And it's uh, it's, it's really fun. And that's, I always enjoy having the opportunity to uh, talk to founders and CEOs and, and tech and innovation leaders like yourself, Craig, that are out there doing it because uh there, there's an incredible, there's just, I, I think there's, we're at an interesting point in Ohio where there's just so much momentum and there's so much interesting work that's happening. And w- when you couple, as you said earlier, the talent at places like universities like Ohio State and others, and then you have uh, the big business, uh, I think there's 54 Fortune 1000 businesses here. And then we're starting to see the, the startup scene really build up in different systems and ecosystems around the state that. Um, this is an exciting time to be in, in, in Ohio, and especially as we think of things like COVID and people are looking to escape the coasts. Um, I think that I think if I if I'm a betting man, I, I'd put some money on Ohio. So thank you for telling that story, um, sharing what your work is, Craig. And if people want to connect with you, follow more about your company. How can they do so? Oh uh, yeah, I think there's uh, uh, numerous ways. We're we're on uh, LinkedIn, uh, so it's just uh, TerraSound. Uh, or uh, you can more than welcome to visit our, our website, which is just uh, terrasound.com. And uh, we've got uh, some information on, on the different applications and, and what and how our system kind of works. Awesome. Well, well, we'll link that in the show notes, both the LinkedIn and the website. So it's an easy click and, and people can take a look at what you're doing and follow along, um, which will be uh, happy to do so. So Craig, thank you so much. Really appreciate you sharing your story and taking some time to, uh, speak with us today. So thank you very much. Thanks very much for having me, Chris. My pleasure. And thanks to all our listeners. Uh, if you haven't had the opportunity, if you could go to the future lab podcast on, on, especially on iTunes, if you have, if you use Apple, um, to subscribe, rate review, because as you do that, more people are going to be able to, uh, hear stories like Craig's and Terra Sounds and and the work of Ohio Technology and Innovation, and we can hopefully help spread the word and, and increase opportunities for uh, for the people making it happen in Ohio. But thank you so much, and we'll talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.
Sud de 